Thank you for joining us. We've got Jed Rawson, founder and CEO of Piranha, an Amazon performance marketing agency with us. Uh, Jed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, boss. Always great to catch up. Likewise, likewise. Jed, I've known you for five or six years, but uh, everyone listening to this, uh, it's going to be the first time, maybe second time talking to you. Uh, Let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your history and what you do on Amazon. Yeah, no problem. So um, I'm an entrepreneur. I manage Amazon for brands. I founded Piranha five years ago. I've been doing Amazon for seven. Um, You and I worked at uh, Quest together and uh, had a lot of fun there ramping their Amazon business. And uh, we now manage Amazon for brands like Rip Curl, New Face, uh, C4, the largest pre-workout brand on Amazon, and, and a lot of others. And so thanks for having me on today and, you know, happy to talk, talk to Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Jed, I've been seeing you post a ton about new Amazon features. I think you could post organically on Amazon, almost like Instagram now. Uh, I personally don't know anything about it. So that's the first thing I want to jump into. There's a couple other features you've been, uh, you've been talking about on your social. So um, can you tell me and the audience a little bit about what those are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think one of the, one of the most noticeable things was that Amazon obviously had like a new app icon update. So, you know, if you go look at your Amazon app on just the consumer side, uh, it changed to kind of the, you know, brown cardboard box look and feel, which is interesting. Obviously, yeah, a lot of A-B testing went into that. So, you know, if Amazon pushing that change, it's great. From an advertising standpoint, um, you have a lot of new search features. So you can search by brand, you can search by size and by price, by diet, calories, nutritional facts. Some of that functionality has been there for a long time. Um, but the way that they rolled it out is a little bit different. And then for us, like you've got, you know, DSP is rolling out for self-service video and search beta, which rolled out last year is, is doing really, really well. We're seeing, you know, brands get a really good re- uh, return on ad spend with video ads. So to me, I always kind of look at it and, and Amazon advertising is kind of like Google 15 years ago or Facebook five to eight years ago. Uh, they're still playing catch up, but I think video ads in the future are going to be a lot bigger of a deal. So that's one thing we're pushing pretty hard right now the brands we work with um the app logo or the app icon what do you think about it yeah or nay uh i mean come on guys like i have 15 you know i have two sets of twins i got a set of five-year-old twins and a set of two-year-old twin girls so my claim to fame is i have four girls five and under i mean we don't go to the store we buy half our stuff on amazon and uh you know you're sitting there at the at the gateway of 50 percent of all e-commerce and you make it a box I mean, it makes sense. I get why they did it, but you couldn't come up with something more creative than cardboard. I mean, I don't know why they didn't make the icon just a picture of like Bezos's face and it says, gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm into it. It's, it's, uh, I like the little fold in the tape. It makes me feel like I've got a little bit of uh, a delivery at the front doorstep. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it. Um, I mean, I, you know who I think is the best at that is Elon Musk and Twitter. You know, I would like to see it be more like Elon Musk Twitter icons, either like a rocket ship for Blue Origin or just a picture of Dogecoin, Yeah. right? Like, have some fun with it, but all joking aside, I think it's fine. 
when, when mine updated, it reminded me of October when Instagram had the retro icons that you can choose from. And I thought that, uh, that I had like an old iOS going or something like that, but I'm into it. I'm not, <laughs> not, I'm not mad at it. Um, Jed, I want to dive into some questions about Amazon. Um, there are brands that are, that focus heavily on Amazon. A lot of their ad spend is only on Amazon or they're over, they're indexed heavily on Amazon and light on paid social paid search. Um, what obviously you're going to talk about Amazon's, you know, the only way, but I know that there's, there's businesses out there and their um, economics and their, their operations don't always allow for that. Can you tell me um, the pros and cons of spending all your ad spend on Amazon, none of your ad spend on Amazon, anything in between? Yeah, great question. I mean, let's go to the two extremes first. So let's talk about if you spend all your, all your advertising spend on Amazon. I'm the Amazon guy and we manage Amazon for a lot of brands. I think that that, that smart COO, CMOs and smart C- chief digital officers are taking those allocations up because the principle, and we take a very principle-based approach to the marketplace, the principle is marketing capital flows to where it's treated best. So you know, people go to Google to look, they go to you know Facebook or Instagram to see what their friends are doing, they go to Amazon to buy. So because there's a much higher intent to purchase, that traffic's inherently more valuable, even still, I don't think the right allocation is ever a hundred percent and zero because there is value in those other platforms and you are going to capture audiences you wouldn't see otherwise. So for me on the first extreme, if you're out, if your Amazon marketing spend is a hundred percent Amazon and zero, everything else, then you are either brand new or you're leaving money on the table elsewhere. Let's go to the other extreme. And let's say that you're taking, you know, you're spending zero percent on Amazon there's, I don't know any scenario for that unless you're a car dealership and you're running radio ads and you know, you're about to, you're, you're, you're going to get taken over by Tesla. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. And the Goodyear blimp. Can't forget that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Right. You're hoping Tiger Woods makes his like 97th comeback. Um, but you know, for the balance on the shades of gray in the middle, I, there's always a case to be made for the allocation for marketing spend. Again, I think that you know you want to make data-driven decisions. Typically, you can show a better ROI for Amazon, but I think as the Amazon guy, it's important to understand when Amazon should take its rightful place in like your distribution strategy. And Amazon's important, but it's never going to be the majority of your revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so. I've I've been on both sides of the coin with with Amazon and, and strategy on how to you know break down your um, your media spend. Are there any tricks or tactics that folks can use um, to to mitigate the free shipping? You know, some people are on Amazon Prime, some people cannot be on Amazon Prime, and then when that happens on .dot com, free shipping is almost expected. Um, and so people are adding minimum order values for free shipping to unlock that. Um, is there any benefit uh, in terms of digital channel strategy to making the offerings on Amazon different from those that are on .com? I think that always makes a you know there's a couple of ways you compete with Amazon and one of those is exclusivity, exclusive price points, exclusive bundles, exclusive options. I think that if you look at your segmentation strategy by channel, right? Um, it's really great when you sell a two pack in target, right. And a three pack on Amazon or Mm -hmm. you sell, you know, a five ounce on in Sephora and you sell an eight ounce on Amazon. We had a, you know, we had a really interesting scenario where we had a coconut water client and Amazon was actually matching the price per ounce retail at Costco 
because we're trying to figure out why Amazon was price matching and discounting this item. And we eventually figured out that it, the algorithm was looking at the price per ounce at Costco and smart enough to figure out that it was a different bundle pack configuration. So some of those efficiencies Amazon's figured out. Um, and then I've been on the other side where it's really frustrating where we had a, a client who Amazon was matching the two pack price on uh, Walmart to the one pack price on Amazon. So algorithms aren't always like the brightest. Um, common sense would tell you, hey, this is a one pack, that's a two pack, these are two totally different items. Um, and it took a while to get that sorted out. So I, I think that if you want, I think the, the answer, you should have custom bundles by, by channel. And where you can't have custom bundles by, by channel, you want to have really tight control your distribution, know who you're selling to. And then for path to market distribution strategy, which is what most brands get wrong, launch e-commerce first, everything else second. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Super into that. Um, I want to go a little bit um, deeper into this one. What's the price point that folks should be at? What do you suggest? What's the sweet spot for bundles on Amazon compared to .com? Oh, I love this answer. So Amazon obviously gets the best rates on the planet and has a, a pretty competitive cost structure for shipping. So the money price, it depends on the category that you're in. The, you know, the money price points in grocery or sports and nutrition, performance food, 10, 15, 20, 25 bucks. You get below 10 bucks, you're never going to make any money because the margins are just too thin on a single item. Even if you're selling this, like we have a, we have a juice client and they sell, you know, fresh pressed celery juice and other types of juices. They do 140 million a year at retail. Like they're massive, right? Um, on Amazon, they're singles, right? You can sell a single bottle of juice for like five bucks and still not make any money. Um, and so, you know, you get below $10 and just your margins become a real battle. Um, uh, once you get above $25, you get more into like Costco club type purchasing. You just don't need two, that many two packs of 36 ounces of ketchup, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just a different type of purchase. You know, the sweet spot for groceries is 10 to 25 bucks for other categories. It's different. Um, you know, one that was really interesting that we got a lot into last year was air purifiers. Uh, we have a guy who does UV light air purifiers and the money price points in, in, in UV light air purifiers, 100, 200, 300 bucks. Like just, you can be $88, you can be $98, but if you're not in that like 88 to a, you know, hundred and $100 range. That price band was really tight. Again, you know, there was a, a grouping at 150, but then it was basically, it was basically 100, 200, 300 bucks. If you were not, you know, aggregating around those price points, you're going to miss out on a lot of demand. Yeah. Um, what about gifting? Like air purifier, typically if someone only needs one of them. Is there, this is just like a super granular question. Are there, are there is there a world where people sell two at once for, you know, one for, one for you, one for a friend, or one for a family member, like a kind model. <laughs> I guess it depends on how good of friends you are. I don't. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get any air purifiers for Christmas last year, but I didn't ask for any either. Um, you know, there's there's certain things where like a one pack and a two pack just don't make a lot of sense. I, you know, usually when you're getting into multiples, you're getting a multiple bundle strategy. You're getting into fast consumables. There's a tool that I really like called Smart Scout. It's brand new, and it shows where traffic's coming from and where it's going to. And uh, it, I was looking at it today and literally on that very question, we were looking at, you can kind of visualize the ecosystem of products. So like highly recommend it. My friend Scott Needham actually uh, just developed it and rolled it out earlier this year. 
but we were looking at the ecosystem for pet treats and we were looking at the one packs versus the two packs versus the three packs, how well they sell and then how much traffic was hitting those listings and then how much traffic was actually bouncing and converting onto other products. So it's pretty cool to look at what people are looking at right before they buy and right after they buy that shopping cart purchasing behavior will help drive some of your bundle and innovation strategy. But to me, start with price point first and then how many, how many, how many units are going to put into a second? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move along here. Um, Every time I talk to an Amazon marketer, we, we talk about conversion rates and conversion rates uh, for Amazon. I've seen 10 X what they are on, on com. Why is that one? And the second part of that question is, is it partially because if you're on Amazon in the search uh, search bar, you typically know what you're looking for? I think it's, I think it's different. I, I think the, you know, the way that I would answer that question is first, it's important to understand that Amazon, if you read Amazon's 10 K filings, which not a lot of people do, but I think they should. Amazon spends 4 billion a quarter on customer loyalty. So the reason they converted a really high rate is because I know that I can buy something on Amazon. And if I hate it, I can return it no matter what. Right. And so, you know, that unparalleled customer service combined with how much ne- they're willing to go negative to, to, to stand behind that, that promise to the customer. To me, the conversion rate starts with the $4 billion they spend every three months on, on customer retention and customer loyalty. Then uh, the reason the conversion rates are, are, are so high on Amazon is obviously because you know, they, they put so much deflationary pressure on price. Amazon's a momentum model, whereas Google's a relevancy engine. And so a lot of times people are looking through like a soda straw at the conversion rate. And what they're not realizing is that, you know, the logistics infrastructure, the, you know, algorithmic buy box price matching, the investments in, in customer loyalty and, you know, uh, uh, return anything, anytime kind of policy, those all factor into the equation. And at the end of the day, it's really difficult to compete with Amazon when it comes to the amount of capital they're willing to invest to, you know, service the customer. Gotcha. Um, all right. Uh, so let's go into uh, fantasy world here. I'm a startup founder of, let's call it a, a beverage brand, a food brand, food and beverage. We, we focus on food and beverage at GB. Cool. Um, yeah, you guys, now, you guys crush, you guys crush it. I've always admired your agency. I want to be one day. I want to be as, as sharp as you guys. Now you are, and, and you could be an honorary member. We'll get you an email. Um, <laughs> there we go. So. One thing that I struggle with on Amazon, I, again, we GB hires you everywhere we go, um, but the, the one part that's a struggle is the customer data. Now, the way I think about customer data is obviously ethical, but we're able to leverage consumers who have shopped our site or that are going to shop this startup site, and we can remarket to them to support retail if we're both digital and retail. With Amazon, you don't quite get to do that. Are there any tactics or strategies for shoppers on Amazon for a brand, someone listening right now who's, who's you know, got however many customers on Amazon, how can they remarket to them and support retail? Or is it game, set, and match? You only focus on Amazon and Amazon. Um, two, two thoughts come to mind. The first is repeat purchase rate data. And then the second is a tool called Managed by Stats. So I'm going to start with the second. The tool Managed by Stats is pretty cool because I know people that have used it extensively. And, you know, you can, you can get a match rate off of that data that's, you know, 50, 55%. 
So you, you can get an, uh, some insight and some understanding into who your customers are, about half of your customer base, which, you know, I wish it was 100%, wish Amazon shared all the data, you know, not that great. But what's great about that is you can, you can start to create lookalike audiences on Facebook, use those on social. There's some guys that do that and do that really well. So the tool managed by stats is, um, it's got a lot of data and a lot of that type of data that Amazon doesn't necessarily share directly. Uh, managed by stats does a pretty good job of giving you some insights there. So I'd, I'd recommend people to check it out. It, the, set, the, the, the first thing was repeat purchase rate. To me, I, you, there's, there's some analytics that are important to us. Like one thing I learned from Ron Penda, the billionaire founder of Quest, and you probably learned this from him too, was he focused, he had a maniacal focus on repeat purchase rate by SKU. And if you didn't get over a 30 to 40% repeat purchase rate, then, you know, in food, you're just not going to make a lot of money. And we figured out how to calculate repeat purchase rate by SKU for Amazon. So, you know, in terms of customer data, the data is different and the data that you focus on, you know, Amazon's a little more vaulty. You can't do some of the time of day segmenting that you can on Google. You can't do some of the lookalike audience stuff you can do on social, but they're, they're slowly tight. They're, they're slowly loosening up and, the analytics engine that they use start is starting to give you more data. Like AR, it's called ARA premium, but in the last couple of years, we've seen that data migrate from being a vendor only side platform. And now they've opened that up and you can, you can use it on the seller side too. So, you know, I, I want to say they're perfect, but I think they're realizing that if they want to continue to attract more marketing dollars, then they're going to have to give marketers, digital marketers, more data to work with. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, poo-pooing on Amazon at all. Uh, I will say that when you perform on Amazon, it's super helpful as you know qualitative data for retail support. Yeah. If you're the number one, uh, you know toothpaste or the number one beverage or number one anything on Amazon in any category, it's always helpful for some buyer in retail to see and uh, give that social proof. So, um, big fan of that. Um, we, we mentioned a few tools so far on this call, and I'm sure people are rewinding and trying to figure out what they are without giving up your secret sauce, Jed. Aside from Smart Scout and Managed by Stats, you mentioned the third one right now. I didn't catch it. What are a couple tools that people can plug in today um, and help them out moving forward on their Amazon strategy, aside from um, calling Piranha and saying, hey, give us the good stuff? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, the most influential business book that I've read in the last uh, 12 months is principles by Ray Dalio. So I would say before you go to the tools, go read that book, because to me, you want to, you want to boil, you want to boil what you learn down into principles and then use tools to support it. Um, the tool that I mentioned was ARA premium, uh, that, or, or brand analytics as it's known now, that's a tool within Amazon that people really is don't utilize, um, especially customer search term, um, reports, uh, the demographic analysis, uh, breakdown by state. Um, we built our, our analytics engine off of Domo. So, uh, we built some custom KPIs and custom analytics. We built a custom dashboard for every client. But I think if you're not using a tool like Domo or Tableau to build out custom analytics and tie into the API, then you're just leaving insights on the table. And to me, data is only valuable as, as far, insofar as you take action off of it, like, so, so what? So, so you can see that your repeat purchase rate for that SKU is 8%. Um, so what do you do about it? Right. Um, and, and, and that's where I think, you know, it really gets valuable. Like for a good example of this is we can calculate lifetime customer value on Amazon. 
And then we can also see like repeat purchase rate by SKU by month. So we know that, you know, a good example is, is uh, we have someone that does a lot in cauliflower stuff and, and plays in the keto space. We know that January is the best month of the year for customer acquisition. But we also know from the data that we should ramp that two weeks before. So like mid-December, we're aggressively ramping up our customer acquisition so that, you know, first week of January, we're not going head to head with every other keto brand spending out there. And, you know, it, it sounds, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but aggressively acquiring customers in the grocery category two weeks before everybody else, um, you know, you're able to get a jump on things and get a better ROI and a better return on ad spend. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Jed, you said uh, a three-letter acronym that uh, I call it the unicorn. And I say that if you ask 1,000 people how they calculate it, you're going to get 999 different answers. Life, <laughs> lifetime value. Um, I don't want to know yeah. your formula. I don't want you to give up your secret sauce. Um, but lifetime value on Amazon. What are some ways people can think about that from top line sales to, to bottom line? to profit, which way are you looking at it and which way is the best way? Well, well, uh, the, the short answer is, and, and there'll be one person that listens to this, rewinds it, figures this out, but on seller central, you can download the transaction report and then you can run a pivot table and deduplicate the data. And that essentially tells you who your repeat purchasers are. And, and so if you know, and so, you know, if you, the, the limitation is Amazon seller central will only go back two years. So you have to be archiving data beyond two years, or you're going to know it's limited to just the last couple of years, which it still gives you valuable insight. Most of the time when we calculate lifetime customer value, there's an asterisk of it's just the last three years or the last five years or the last two years. Um, and the, the way that it changes your marketing is if you know that a repeat customer is five times more valuable than a first-time customer, like for example, at Quest, we had people who somebody ran an ad eight years ago or seven years ago or five years ago, and they had come back and bought every other month, right, for five years. And, you know, we'd made 8000 or $10,000 off of them. If you understand the lifetime customer value, then it allows you and enables you to spend more on your customer acquisition costs. And, and spend more to acquire those repeat customers. When you have a strong repeat purchase rate, then you can spend more on marketing, ramp up revenue, then back off on the marketing and coast on your repeat purchase rate to dial in the profitability. And then my favorite KPI is marketing as a percent of sales. We call it maps, but marketing as a percent of sales is the scalable metric. It's a financial metric and it takes care of all the attribution issues you have with marketing platforms that try to take credit for sales that would have happened anyways. Does that make sense? It sure does. So I'm asking you all the good stuff, man. Um, Great questions. Thank you. Um, so I wrote notes on the uh, LTV thing. I'm never going to use that, but I, I definitely want that for, for my notes. And I'm hoping somebody uh, or people do go back and, and take your advice on that one. Um, Maps is definitely a, a very honest way of, of measuring um, ad spend. I, I definitely use that for, paid social, paid search, and by channel. It uh, helps keep things honest, gives you a nice North Star and uh, something to work towards. Um, I got one more question before we get into the fun rapid fire questions. Um, and that question is, how do you track subscriptions on Amazon? This is just an honest, I, I personally 
it's not my thing. Uh, and I'm sure other people are wondering how they can increase their subscriptions on Amazon because it's a huge growth pillar um, on .com. Yeah. You know, we, we have someone who uh, that's all they do in the, in, the, in the pet space. So we manage Amazon for BarkBox and BarkBox IPO'd in December for $1.6 billion. Um, they are intensely focused on their subscription rate, right? And uh, I can't say too much about it because I want to protect client confidentiality. But mm -hmm. I, ca I can tell you that for subscriptions, Amazon doesn't do them as well as some of the other platforms. You have a lot more flexibility off Amazon than you do on Amazon. Um, because subscribe and save is really your only option. You can push subscribe and save and then Amazon will share some subscribe and save analytics. The, the, th the analysis that I learned at Quest that was really interesting was um, the subscribe and save penetration rate, meaning you can figure out what percent of your audience is using subscribe and save and is therefore a repeat customer, right? Now, the analytics are different on Vendor Central versus Seller Central. So without getting too deep into the details, it depends on what portal you're on, the type of data that's available to you. But a great pro tip, go talk to an AMG rep and they can give you additional insight into your subscribe and save uh, metrics. Or go talk to your vendor manager. They can give you additional insight into your subscribe and save analytics. Or go talk to strategic account services, um, which is a advisory support group on the seller side. They can give you additional subscribe and save metrics. Well, right. Um, I've got those those notes down. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about this next part. Rapid fire questions are my favorite um, because they're questions I don't share with you beforehand. Um, but if you listen to past <laughs> episodes, you might have clues as to what is, what's on the way. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go. All right. So the, the first question, I'm going to be making like baseball style cards for each person that's on the show um, that has all of their different features. In this case, your ideal tech stack. You can only name five, but what is your ideal tech stack for Amazon? Uh, Tika Metrics, Domo, Smart Scout, Helium 10, and uh, I like Jungle Scout. I like a second opinion on the data. And I probably, and I would probably throw in there if I could have a six, I'd say feedback quiz. Feedback. So the the tech on the Amazon side got, has some funny names. Um, I'm used to like the, the, the Shopify apps, Recharge or all of these, uh, PostScript. <laughs> They're all pretty simple, but these ones are pretty fun. Helium Pen sounds nice. I don't know what that does, um, but I'll, I'll dive into that later. Um, if you started a D2C food and beverage company today, who would your co-founder or co-founders be? Who would my co-founders be? Yeah. Um, well, my first one would be my wife, right? And because uh, she's the real CEO and uh, I do exactly what she tells me to do because she's very good at strategy. Um, outside of that, I like, to, I like to have partners I've worked with for years. So you and I have always talked about doing something together. I'm always down. And, you know, for me, you want people that like to hustle and like to grind. I want to work with people that like to put in the time and get after it and be aggressive and have that cultural DNA. I'm going to send this episode to Mickey uh, once it's done and, and give her like a timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should, you should. She probably will uh, 
she'll she'll probably think of three things I could have improved uh, off of it, but she's really, really kind that way. Awesome. Um, all right. I, I think that's going to wrap it up for rapid fire questions. Two quick, uh, quick rapid fires this time around. But um, Jed, I had a blast chatting with you about this. I can't wait to get it out. Um, before we, we jump, though, uh, where can folks find you that are looking for uh, Amazon performance marketing? Yeah, great question. So they can always hit our website, piranha.com, P-I-R-A-W-N-A. Um, nobody knows how to spell piranha. That was one of the things we realized when we were looking at, you know, Amazon-related terms that uh, we could use. So piranha.com, P-I-R-A-W-N-A. And then we're on Instagram, right, obviously on uh, on Twitter as well. And then uh, you can always hit me up on LinkedIn, J-E-D-R-A-W-S-O-N. Uh, I love LinkedIn. Um, Prana's on LinkedIn as well. And uh, if you send me a direct message on LinkedIn, that's probably the best base, place for professional questions. Always happy to answer a question anytime for free and help, help, uh, help the next guy out any way we can. Awesome. Jed Rawson, piranha.com. Jed, it's been great. Thanks for your time. And uh, that's it for this episode of Exit Intent. Thanks, it everybody. Was great. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in the marketplace. All right, buddy. <laughs>